The Weekly Harvest, an in-depth look at the Brandon Weekings and the WHL. Washman trying to come up with it for Allison. Here's Allison right in front. He scores! Brandon Junior Hockey fans, you've waited two decades for this. In the league's 50th anniversary, your Wheat Kings are the champions. Hey, good week once again. Welcome to episode 52 of the Weekly Harvest podcast, talking all things Wheat Kings and the WHL. Weekly Harvest presented by Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Wee Kings, and available at QCountryFM.ca, Q Country, the official home of the Brandon Wee Kings. I'm Chris Falco. He's Brandon Crow. Crow, how are you today, bud? I'm good. Uh, I got a nice uh, keg meal today from Jordy and the boys over at the keg again. That's the second time they've fed this poor yeah. radio guy. Nice. They, they heard I was just plowing through the cereal here in my hotel and I wasn't really eating all that well. So <laughs> a couple of steak dinners from Jordy at the keg. I know they're not an official sponsor, but hey, if you're looking for some takeout options this weekend, the keg does a real nice takeout meal. Uh, you know, people say, hey, the steak, it's not going to be hot. I like my no. It comes out of that bag just absolutely steaming. So yeah. anyway, thanks our, for joining at the keg. Our our players, um, they have to be catered through the service with the way it's working in the hub. But a deal was arranged with the keg, and, and for a number of teams in the hub, not not yeah. just for the Wheat Kings, but yeah, the keg has provided a number of meals for the teams. And uh, the way that they're delivered, uh, the keg, when all this first happened, they would not do delivery because they knew that it wasn't going to be delivered the right way. Uh, but now they have those containers that I've ordered. It. <laughs> It comes hot. It comes delicious. It's a real keg dinner. So you're right. Although they're not official sponsor of the podcast, um, they definitely deserve a shout out. And if you're thinking about takeout with all this going on, the keg is definitely uh, a fantastic option. Um, if there's one thing that you need, Crow, it is more nutrients because you are living like a college kid inside of that hotel room. Yeah. Um, for those of you on TV, if you look behind me, there's like five <laughs> boxes of cereal. Uh, there's a jug of milk in my fridge. Just sugar. Uh, sugar. Yeah. And you know what? I, I try and balance it. I'll have like two bowls of Rice Krispies with like no sugar. And then I'll have a bowl of like Cinnamon Toast Crunch for dessert. So like that's kind of what I'm going with here. The good thing is my wife and I, we've got the chickens, right? So uh, I was able to bring a whole bunch of like farm fresh eggs with me. But trust me, after like <laughs> after like 10 days of eating eggs, Oh, man, I was so over it. So the keg meal tonight was quite nice, I will admit. So anyway, thanks to Jordy and the guys there. Uh, they're excellent. And they've done a great job for all the teams here in the hub, not just the Brandon Wheat Kings. Yeah. And, Crow, the light, as we were saving last week, now it's even closer to being the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, we have only got four Wheat King games left in the hub. Two away, two home, technically, just for in terms of the way the broadcasts are going to work. And uh, talk about it shaping up to be an absolute thrilling, thrilling finale. Um, I loved your tweet that now has, I, I'm not looking at it right now, but when I was this afternoon, it had like over 100 likes. It was just you, uh, just the, the, the caption of uh, Braden Snyder's quote after the OT winner last night about how he put that goal right up there uh, with his World Junior uh, goal. Um, and when you go back and even watch on the post-game interview that, that, that we post, that was one of the clips that we included. Uh, when you can like hear it in his voice and see it in his face too, like he genuinely meant that. They want to finish on top of this division. Uh, they want to win whatever this is going to be called this year. Uh, the WHL announced today that there is going to be no playoffs, that this is in fact it. When the 24 games are done, that's it. The 24 games are done. The season is over. Uh, but no matter, no matter what, the guys are playing for that title, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, they're calling it the Subway Cup. Now, I talked to Kevin Minch, who's kind of the league official that's running this event here in Regina, and I said to him, 
just off the record, I said, so like, what's the, is there a trophy or like, uh, you know, the regular red banner that you'd get for winning the division that you see in the Keystone Rafters? I said, is it, is it going to be a traditional red East division banner or is it going to be like a lime green banner with the subway logo on it? I said, because aesthetically in Brandon, that's just going to look ridiculous. So you got the red seats, the, the history of the red banners and then a lime green one if Brandon wins. And he actually just smiled at me and said, you'll have to wait and see. So I honestly have no idea <laughs> what's going to happen. I still don't know if there's going to be a regular red banner or not. But how about this? Okay, so right now, Brandon is in the lead in the division. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, April 19th. So Brandon's in the lead. Saskatoon takes on Regina tonight, Tuesday, the 20th. And then it's every other day. So Brandon and Swift Current play on Wednesday. Saskatoon plays PA on Thursday. And then on Friday. And then Brandon's got two games on the weekend. Saskatoon plays Monday. And then the two teams meet again on Wednesday. So it's literally every other night, the two teams that are really battling for it. Like Winnipeg's still in contention as well with their win today over Swift Current. So, wow. And here's the thing. Let's go back to the Braden Schneider thing. And I'm going to I'm gonna take people behind the curtain, as we like to do here on the Weekly Harvest. So I, I was not shy in, in criticizing the officials uh, in the game against... Uh, Winnipeg back on what day was that? That was Sunday. Sunday night. Sunday night. Yep. I was very, very critical of the officiating. And I'm not normally like that. It's a job that I wouldn't want to do and I wouldn't ever do it. Uh, but it was horrendous. And that's just the nicest way I could put it. And when they called Braden Schneider for the check to the head, I didn't see it in real time. I only saw it on the replay. And when I saw it on the replay, I mean, I'm so jazzed into this game. As you can tell, if you're listening to the game, I was fired up. I, I thought I actually broke my finger because when they m- missed that call and called Braden Schneider going into overtime in a tie game on a check to the head where he didn't even make contact with Zach Benson, I punched the wall in the press box. Was it necessary? No. Does it make me sound like a bit of a freak? Yes, it does, and I'm not proud of it. But that's how intense it gets in there. And then when, when Schneider won uh, with that game-winning goal, I mean, I, I could have thrown my chair onto the ice in celebration. Like, I, it's amazing. You know, you talk about the intensity there. And I, I'm the only other fan in the building, realistically, uh, unless Jordy from the keg was up in Section 212, which he has been a couple of times. I'm the only Wheat King fan in the building. So when they scored, I mean, I was just fired up. That's the most excited I've been for a Wheat King goal in years. Years. And I say that going right back through last year. So, I mean, it's it's not fake. It's not drama that we're trying to create. I mean, there is some serious intensity here inside this hub. It's a lot of fun. My finger is a little better. I got a little blue under my nail. I'm a little sore. Uh, and my wife was a little embarrassed when I told her. She said, why would you do that? You're supposed to be calm, cool, and collected. I said, I was fired up. Okay? That's what happens when you're a fan of the team. It's the Battle of Manitoba, you know? Yeah. It, and it doesn't matter what the... what what the If we won all three before, like like like, like the case was, it, what if we weren't battling for near the near near first, when you get these two teams together, they just want to beat each other, and you totally yeah. get that. Um, with the missed calls, there was the oh. or the or whatever you want to call it, or the calls made that that, that weren't there. There was the one that uh, we tweeted out during the game, <laughs> um, with 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 some fun little uh, uh, bit emojis uh, or whatever they're called, but uh, emojis. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that one to end the game, clipped it, had it loaded in Twitter, 
and I just could not push send. I was so mad about that missed call and didn't know what to say. I was like, you know what? We're going to get in trouble. Delete, never posted it. Was like, <laughs> let's just kill it off, and then hopefully we can we can post the goal and, and have some fun with it in that way. Luckily, that's what ended up happening. Um, but yeah, you know, you're just, you're, you're there. And, uh, when Schneider scored that goal, I mean, here we are three hours away. The Randall Wee King office jumped out of my chair, gave a massive fist pump, scared the hell out of Katie. She, she <laughs> <laughs> like that. Like, I uh, just, but like we, me and Kelly, we just let out this big roar. And, uh, you know, it definitely, it definitely meant something. Um, and the way the guys have been playing, it's just been, so much fun to be a part of and watching. And then the news here today, Crow, the fact that not only the day starts out with the news from the league that Ben McCartney is named uh, the player of the week in the WHL, uh, which is, I mean, obviously just fantastic for him to, 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 to get that recognition. Uh, he had 12 points, four goals, eight assists in the four games that, that Benny played there last week. Just amazing couple games. Then this followed up by the news, the fact that three of the six East team of the week members are Brandon Weekings. You got Ben McCartney, you got Ridley Gregg, and then you got Brayden Schneider. So, uh, congratulations to, to, to those guys uh, on an incredible week. Congrats to the Wheaties for just all that they've uh, been accomplishing. And here oh, we I go. These, it's shaping up for these last four games to be something real special. Oh, the sorry. Best. And sorry, there's two more before I go. The highlights of the night for the last two nights on Saturday and Sunday night. Again, we're recording this on Monday and we're not playing until Wednesday, but the highlight of the night, Saturday night for the WHL they put out, it was the Ben McCartney goal. And the Sunday night highlight of the night was the Braden Schneider goal. So it's been, uh, it's been a whole lot of weekings uh, going all across the WHL here lately. <laughs> My text to new general manager, Doug Gasper, following the game, I said, Doug, it's a good thing it wasn't a Wheat Kings online broadcast tonight, or your first order of business as GM would be to f- pay the fine for me criticizing the officials on the broadcast. <laughs> that was the text I sent uh, Doug Gasper, and that leads me to my next point before we get to our interview tonight. Uh, the change at the top in the Wheat King organization. We didn't have a chance, uh, obviously, to talk about this. It happened on Friday. Uh, we want to send our biggest congrats out to Darren Ritchie, uh, who is, uh, I believe, a four-time guest on the show, or three-time guest? Three-time guest. Um, you know what? This hub has been so chaotic. I can't believe that within has only been a few days ago. I know. Doesn't it feel like I like like we we should have led off with talking about this? Of course, the fact that we didn't is uh, is probably bad on us. Uh, Rich uh, could not be more happy for him. This is the biggest news. I mean, you know, of the. Uh, of the last week, wins wins aside, it's the fact that Darren Ritchie has accepted the, the position with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Incredible news for him. He's going to get back to doing what he loves the most, which is watching hockey. Um, you know, scouting for for talent, which is obviously what he's absolutely the best at. Um, so it's fantastic uh, for him and for Doug Gasper to get the reins of this franchise. And I mean, I could not be more excited to work with a guy like that. Um, you know, the interactions that we have had with him. He doesn't work at a brand full time. Um, um, he will, but he hasn't, uh, except for, uh, you know, like closer when the season starts. He's been working uh, out of the office. That's how we got to meet him so far. But excited for the future and and uh, and, and what, what Doug's going to bring to the team. Yeah, Doug, Doug and I actually go uh, way back. Uh, his 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 late son, Troy, uh, was playing for the Humboldt Broncos when I got my start uh, in the SJHL with the Humboldt Broncos. So, um, you know, I, I had run into Doug a long time ago when I was just a young, <laughs> young uh radio guy trying to carve my way through and he was just a hockey dad. Um, and, uh, to now to, to see it all come full circle and, and, you know, I, I got to spend a lot of time with him here inside the hub because him and I are the only two staff members of the Brandon Wee Kings that 
aren't part of the cohort. So him and I, you know, his, his apartment is just a few doors down from mine and uh, here in the hotel. And uh, you know, we've spent a lot of time together doing grocery runs for the team and things like that. And I have really, really enjoyed, uh, you know, getting to know him a lot more. I, I think the fans and Brandon are going to really learn to, to fall in love with the Gasper family and the Gasper family story. And we've talked about it on the, uh, on the show before a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the Gasper family foundation and it is certainly something that I think fans and Brandon need to be aware of. They need to check out. They need to see the great things the Gasper family is doing. Of course, I, I touched on, on Doug's son, uh, Troy, who was a member of the Humboldt Broncos. Uh, you know, him and his wife and his three kids uh, tragically passed in a car accident, um, you know, back in uh, 2016. But, you know, uh, from all the, the bad things, good things come of it. And the best thing to come of that uh, has been the Gasper Family Foundation. So, you know, for people that have said, you know, who is Doug Gasper? Yeah, you can look at his hockey resume. But if you want to know more about the Gasper family, that's all you got to do. Google the Gasper Family Foundation and look at what that family is doing right now. And him and his wife and their dog are coming to Brandon. They're moving in full time. They're going to be immersed in the community. And to me, all hockey things aside, that's what we King fans should be excited about. They're getting a quality person uh, and a family that is willing to immerse themselves in our community. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Doug can do here once he gets the keys to the Cadillac here this summer. And once things do get settled, of course, we will have the invite out for Doug to uh, to come on the on the podcast oh, yes. here. And, uh, you know, we definitely want to talk to him. He is a little bit like Rich in the sense that, you know, he doesn't always want to be the guy out there, you know, in front of the mic uh, doing the talking. But, like, he, he's so well, you know, spoken and, and thoughtful that it would be great to get him on here and, and get his thoughts. But we'll let the news settle just for a little bit, and uh, but we'll definitely get his thoughts. Uh, and uh, Rich told me, He's like, well, you know what this means? He's like, I don't have to do your podcast ever again. I said, oh, no, 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 Rich. All this means is that you got to come back on with a different role now. We have now. to change the graphic. Yeah, we have to just change the graphic now. <laughs> and oh, we can have him on again. To that Toronto Maple Leaf logo. You know what, uh, you know what one, of the, one of the funniest parts about this is? Is the fact that he's realized, he said, I can't believe how many people hate the Maple Leafs. <laughs> like, people are so excited and so happy for him to accept a job, but everybody's made it very known to him that they're still not going to cheer for the Leafs. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> not a team that they like. And it's like, oh, just Rich, I, 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 like again, whoever he picks, I'm going to cheer for them and I'll cheer for him to do a good job. But I don't know about that team. Uh, if, yeah. you're, if you're a Leaf fan, though. That's the thing, though. And I, I, you know, of course, being the radio guy, when the news first came down on Friday, you know, I had a handful of, uh, other broadcasters text me and say, hey, what's going on? Rich has been a, a week king a long time. Why, why is he leaving? You know, this seems, you know, like a bit of a strange move. GM to a, just a regional scout, that sort of thing. And I said, guys, when, when Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubas, and the Toronto Maple Leafs show up on your caller ID, that's a phone call you answer. <laughs> that's not one you just put on the, ah, I'll call him back later. An original you know, six franchise <laughs> exactly. that has a bigger fan base and deeper pockets than and then any other, if not one A one B with whoever else you want to put up there with them. It's an absolute no brainer, and it's and it's going to be fantastic for him. And again, like 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 he said, if if he's not coming on the pod, then I'll speak for him. But like like he told us at the office, he gets to go and watch hockey, right? Like he's going to get to go and scout hockey, so doesn't have to leave. He still gets to live here in Brandon. Um, it's great news for the family. I mean, the Richie family is obviously fantastic. We all love them, so it's it's great. It's fantastic news for everybody. And uh, and yep. and and Doug obviously shares a lot of the philosophies that that Darren does, which is why Darren hired him in the first part. I mean. Darren was the guy who said, I want to have Doug as my assistant GM. So it's perfect that he gets to, you know, 
be the successor, and uh, and and here we go. And Doug does have a lot of work ahead of him as we head into what's going to be, um, you know, another kind of strange off season. As uh, there's another big question mark about next year. Uh, you know, we do know about the new start times. The league said that now next year it's going to be starting in October. Uh, but besides that, there's still going to be a lot of questions, uh, and a lot of that won't be answered until public health also throughout the summer kind of gives more answers about uh, you know how we're going to play hockey in the fall. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to believe, you know, and I, and I texted you guys this, and, and we've talked about our group chat on the podcast before. You, me, and Kelly McGinnis, you two, along with Katie, are kind of the brains of the operation uh, back at Command Central, um, and I'm kind of just the puppet on the string out here in Regina. But Calling I us the brains you, and you the puppet, that is uh, <laughs> well, you guys not are, fair, but okay. You guys are like at the NASA control stations. You got all your computers open, and you're doing all this stuff and bouncing around. You guys are doing a great job, and I've said this before. Uh, but it, I texted you guys. It's a little sad, to be honest with you. Not not sad in like a oh that's sad sort of way. They, like generally, like you know, makes me well up a little bit thinking of the fact we've only got four games left. I mean, everybody worked so friggin' hard to get to this point to get started. And I mean, I, I moved in here I- into this hotel room seven hundred two at the at the residence inn back on March third. And I mean, that's that's a long time ago. Uh, the players were actually here a week before that, and the coaching staff, all the work that's gone in, uh, man, it just, it, I can, I know for a fact that win or lose, whatever happens on the twenty eighth, when that final buzzer sounds, it's going to be an emotional goodbye. And and Pete and and Perry talked about it on our Q Country pregame show the other day. It kind of just ends with a bit of a thud, you know, like it, you know, you build, you build, you build. It's getting really intense. The hockey's great. That's it. Lights go out. They shut the lights off. Everybody goes home. You know what I mean? So it's kind of got a real emotional feel to it. And I, and I would expect the intensity to be just absolutely through the roof uh, in the next four games here. So, uh, and I, I know one, yeah, one, one saving grace for that might be the fact that, and really hopefully this does come true. How amazing would it be if going into the last game, the teams it are tied something. in points. And if, I've if, said it if, before. If Brandon and Saskatoon go into the game tied or one point, like, if it's if it's right there and it's like the game four first, then all of a sudden it's like okay, that's like a championship it's Wednesday. Championship. It's like the one game off. If it's anything else, you're right. It's a very kind of like okay, the season's over. It was a whole lot of fun, but uh, yeah, like if that if that game is is four first, then that's like a championship Wednesday. I mean, as a fan. Yeah, and it's it's super cool to think that it's gotten to this point. You know, a lot of people said, like, oh, it's just exhibition. It won't matter. These players don't – it doesn't mean anything. Well, the fact that Brandon, Winnipeg, and Saskatoon have been able to keep it as close as they have at the top and made it as fun as it has been, um, that just has made this whole experience that much better. So uh, it's going to be an emotional week uh, as we come down to the end of this thing, but uh, hopefully the intensity is through the roof. And um, I'd like to clinch a, a division title much sooner than April 28th, but uh, if it has to come down to that final game, uh, buckle up because uh, – you know, I might want to. I'm going to tape up my knuckles like the guys on Slapshot. Throw some foil on because you know if anything goes wrong, I mean, there's a chance to be a Brandon Crow fist through the press box wall. That so. press box booth won't know what <laughs> hit it. It's going to be getting yeah. hammered. You know, it's funny because I never, I never played at a high level. Obviously, I played in you know like two periods of an MJHL rookie game back when I was 16 years old. But um, every once in a while, something happens in a game, and I just think like, man, I just would love to put the pads on just for like three minutes. And just go out there and run around. You know what I mean? Like, you get so into it. You're thinking, like, I would just love to go out there for one shift and just go crashing and banging it on the forecheck. I know it would just be the most 
funny hysterical thing anyone had ever seen it'd be kind of like when willie goes out there i would buy a ticket for that yeah i would <laughs> buy can't a really see that. what's going on but that's the intensity level because i'm the only fan in the building <laughs> and i i feel like i'm the only one rooting for the brandon weekings inside the building so I, I feel like i've got the weight of the city of brandon on my shoulders to help try and carry these guys to victory well you're far from the only one cheering for the weekings overall that's for sure overall so for it's sure it's been great uh, coming up a little bit we're going to be talking about the email inbox talking about 50 50 and more but uh, our guest this week without further ado better get into this here crow our guest episode 52 ryan stone who Weekly Harvest, proudly presented by Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Wheat Kings, and we'll welcome in our guest this week. He was a fan favorite in his time in Brandon back in the early 2000s, uh, now residing out in Calgary, and uh, we'll get a little bit more into what he's doing now. But, uh, of course, uh, he's hailing from the city of Calgary, now uh, 36 years old. Ryan Stone joining us. Ryan, what's uh, what's going on in your world these days? Well, I think a lot like everyone else, um, just trying to stay busy and stay active with this whole COVID deal going on. And, you know, I have three kids that keep me pretty busy and full-time job. So, I don't know. So, you're three. one of the lucky guys, at least, that's been able to continue working. What What do you do for, for work out there in Alberta? Yeah, I'm in the oil patch. So, I'm part of a smaller service company that uh, – yeah, we do pressure gauges for when they start fracking wells. Um, as the, the short version of it, I guess. Um, and yeah, like like you said, I'm I'm one of the fortunate ones. There's a lot of people that have been let go and don't have work, so I'm uh, very fortunate and glad to be working still. I much much like even Crow. I know that uh, Crow in the off season he was working out in the oil field of sorts as well. So uh, it just uh, you know lucky to yeah just to, just to, just to be working. Uh, Ryan, as, as Brandon mentioned, I mean going back to your days, you're of course a you know a fan favorite around here. Um, you had a couple of amazing seasons in, in Brandon. Looking back on your junior days, what's the first thing that kind of comes to mind as you reflect about being a weekend? Um. A couple things right off the top of my head. Um, first of all, it was just my teammates, how many great guys I played with and how many, there's still a few of them that are still playing um, at high levels. So um, that's probably the first thing that comes to mind is just the friendships and the teammates I had. Uh, second would just be the city of Brandon, uh, my billets and just how, how engaged everyone was and how excited everyone was for the Wheat Kings and, um, yeah, those are the two main things that come up and hockey wise, probably, probably our run to the finals. That was, uh, yeah, that was one of the highlights for sure. Um, too bad that we lost obviously, but <laughs> it's a good run nonetheless. You, you touched on your billet family and, uh, your billet brother was actually one of our guests a couple of weeks ago. He's the leading scorer in the East coast hockey league. So is it weird for you to see, uh, the kid that was, probably just annoying the absolute snot out of you as a teenager, be the leading scorer in the East Coast Hockey League and Tyler Coulter? Yeah, no, I think, like, it was awesome. I moved in, I think he was, I want to say he was five, maybe, so I took kind of the big, big brother role for sure, and um, it's been fun. Like, I've watched him grow up uh, playing hockey, obviously, and then I've followed him ever since, and um, I think it's exciting for him. Like, he's doing great, and he's a fan favorite there. Like, I don't know. I think it's pretty I don't know if there's anyone else ever to billet and then play on the same team that they lived in. Like, billet a Wheat King and then play for the Wheat Kings. 
that I've ever heard of. So I think that was pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, actually, we have a couple on the team even this year. Uh, Ryland Thiessen, just a couple of years ago, they billeted oh, yeah. uh, McCoy your camps in the championship year. Um, and I'm sure and there's a the few Thorps. more along the way. Uh, who was that? The Thorpes as well. Yep. Oh, yeah. Thorpes, uh, of course. Yeah. They actually billet a, a, a uh, like, well, three week kings, including their son. So <laughs> if you want to call it a billet, uh, yeah, Crow, yeah. I, oh, that's awesome. I love how you brought up uh, Tyler Coulter because one of my favorite stories from that pod and Ryan, maybe we can get your side of it. Uh, he almost took a little bit of credit <laughs> for for some of your aggression uh, coming out in the games about uh, maybe irritating you during nap time before games. What was uh, <laughs> what, what was that like? Was that any 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 truth to that? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Yeah, he's a great kid and great billet family. Um, yeah, there's no truth to that. They were all, the whole family, extended and Dale and Chris, like, um, yeah, what a, what a place to live. And I was very fortunate again to, yeah. to have in my life. And they, uh, we still keep in contact now. So, um, yeah. That's that was going to lead me to my next question. Uh, I know uh, you know Dale's a pretty darn good golfer. Have you ha- have you played any golf as an adult where he's not your kind of supervising figure in your life now that you've gotten older? Um. Well, yeah, he's a no standing golfer for sure. I think we've only played a few rounds together, but he definitely beat me big time. And I'm just actually getting back into golf now that my son's playing a little bit. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Maybe I can take him out when as he gets older here. So well, we're trying to maybe organize a little bit of a podcast golf tournament because uh, Tyler Coulter yeah. said that, you know, Nolan Ritchie, of course, Darren's son, Nolan is a real stick yeah. on the golf course. And we've uh, Zach Whitecloud, who uh, his family was uh, billets as well. Pretty good golfer down in Vegas. So maybe we'll uh, we'll throw you an invite whenever COVID comes up. Perfect. <laughs> you you mentioned having kids. How many kids do you have, Ryan? I got three. So uh, my son, Jet, is uh, 10. My daughter Harper's eight, and my youngest daughter Scarlett, she's five. So, so are they athletes, hockey players. Yeah. Do they play any other sports? Yeah, my son plays hockey. My middle daughter, she tried it for a couple of years, didn't really like it. But so the two daughters now they do gymnastics. Going going back to your youth, did you do multi sports? Yeah, I was huge multi sport. Um, I played baseball every spring and summer and hockey in the winter and never played spring hockey or anything like that growing up. One of my favorite stories is uh, of Aaron Rome, who uh, of course uh, was the assistant coach of the Brandon Wheat Kings. He told me that one of the most awkward feelings ever is when his son reached the age where he's bringing friends over and they're YouTubing his dad on the internet <laughs> and they're YouTubing yeah. Aaron Rome and uh, watching his videos. So has your son and his buddies ever, you know, pulled up a random YouTube highlight and said, dad, like, let's watch this together. Yeah, they have a few times and a couple of times I got some bad YouTube fights out there that I don't, things don't end good for me. So, uh, yeah, I think even once one of my son's teachers pulled up a video in class for the whole class to watch on me. So that is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. What's your first memory of Kelly McCrimmon? Because we know that he's you know such a, a father-like figure to all you guys. So do you remember your first ever interaction with Kelly? Um, yeah, I do. I was 14, and we were checking into my first camp. Um, you know, I was drafted second round to Brandon, and my dad and me drove out there, and I think just checking in, we walked into the office, the old office, and he was there, and he introduced himself, and... Um, that was my first memory anyways, that I can rem- 
that I remember. Any better ones? Uh, any good good stories of uh, Kelly McCrimmon behind the bench? Um, yeah, he was behind the bench his last, what, two years with me, I believe. Um, he was a great coach. He's a great person. Um, he was taking his master's at the time, so we'd all be on the bus watching movies and he'd be up there studying and writing papers and stuff like that. So, I mean, as busy as he was back then, I'm sure he's as just as busy or busier now, but I mean, good on him. He, he did what he had to do and now he's, he's in a really good position. That, that, that's just incredible to really think about your, Owning and running the franchise and you're traveling and you're coaching and on the front of the bus on the way back, you're writing papers to get your masters. Like, yeah. you know, people don't kind. really think about the amount of effort that, that has gone on to what, what Kelly has built, but that's an incredible totally. story. That's, that, that's so yeah, cool. Totally. To hear. I love looking over at the, at the careers of guys and the teams. And specifically when we do that, I like to put up jerseys. Uh, or photos and look at the jerseys. You've worn some pretty, some pretty fun ones along the way. Looking back, though, what's the what's the the best jersey that you think that you've worn? Uh, I think. Uh, good question. I was gonna instantly. I was gonna say the Oilers jersey. I grew up an Oilers fan. Being from Calgary, growing up as an Oilers fan, kind of rubs people the wrong way. But um, how did that come about? Was it like just to spite um, somebody in the family or? No, my grandparents owned a, uh, a place at Sylvan Lake and the neighbor there was an Oilers fan and me and the neighbor were friends and he just convinced me at an early age to be an Oilers fan. So Impressionable minds when they're young. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I had then, to ask, you know, you get drafted oh, sorry, you know, by sorry. Pittsburgh. He didn't oh, answer my, my well, oh, he didn't I, answer. Yeah, yeah, I got to find out the, the jersey. <laughs> Well, I, I, yeah, so probably the Oilers oh, one. Oilers one? But okay. This, my, like, close second would be the the Pittsburgh Penguin uh, draft jersey the day I got drafted. It reminded us, or reminded me so much of, uh, actually, the Wheat Kings third jersey that year. I pulled on the, the Pittsburgh sweater, and, I mean, that was that was pretty neat, too. <laughs> you got an opportunity to play, you know, with Sidney Crosby and go to camps with him and be around him. So, in Pittsburgh at that time was kind of – you know, I don't even, I don't know what the word is to describe it because they weren't the perennial contender that they are now. So what was your, some of your first earliest memories of getting into the Pittsburgh organization? And then talk about, you know, the time and, and what your first um, meeting with Sidney Crosby was like on the ice. Yeah. Um, I think a couple like early memories, like my first couple camps, Mary Lemieux was still uh, with Pittsburgh. He had come back and he was still part of the team and stuff like that. So that was pretty wicked skating around the rink with, with Mario. Um, and then from there, I'd known Sid for a few years prior, five or six years prior, just from different, he's had the same agent as me. So he went down and did a bunch of camps. So I knew who he was and what he was all about and how phenomenal of a hockey player he was. Um, and when I did eventually get into a game with Pittsburgh, I think it, I had the best seat in the house watching him skate around and do his thing. And <laughs> you think he's you think he's good on TV, and then you like you're sitting that close to the game and watching watching him move around the ice. He is so good. Did you get to play a shift with him at any point in your career? Um, I'm sure our ice time overlaps somewhere along the way, but <laughs> by accident, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> get off the ice! I'm not leaving. Put out 87. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's that would be an incredible time, like you mentioned too, Mario. 
Like you have that overlap of that, of just that short time, but Mario, Sid, and yeah. then it would have been uh, Malkin as well. So, I mean, you yeah. got like three generational talents around you and, oh, and Mario yeah. would be a guy like, like we're, we're the same age. So watching Mario in those early nineties teams, like him and Yager tearing it up, like that must've been extra special to get to meet that guy. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Got to go for uh, lunch with him and he took a bunch of the young guys out for lunch. So just a, again, a fantastic guy and a really nice human. So, and then so, it all well, off I- one of the best puck players ever. Oh, it's unbelievable to think that of what he did in his career, battling the off ice, you know, the, the cancer and everything he went through to come back and play. I mean, just what a story. Um, One of my favorite questions to ask, and you might've touched on this a little bit by mentioning the draft Jersey is if you had a piece of memorabilia that you had to keep and get rid of everything else, what's your most prized piece of memorabilia from your career? It can be from junior or pro. Um, I don't know. I got, I'm in my office now and I got a few jerseys up and a couple plaques behind my, Shoulder here. Um, probably this one. So every uh, quick before I show it, quick uh, background on it. Um, my Guido Murray Culpa when he would he'd come to every one of my hockey games that he could make, and every time after the game I'd walk out into the into the lobby and he'd be standing there and we'd go and give a hug and. He'd give me a handshake and always in his twenty dollar or always in his hand when he was shaking my hand was a twenty dollar bill. <laughs> and so after I got drafted and I signed my first pro contract, I went over to his house and he didn't know that I signed it. And I shook his hand with a twenty dollar bill in my hand and gave it back to him, basically. And he it's just a frame of the twenty dollar bills and then just uh, Bob and Gita, here's 20 bucks back at you, July 28, 2005. So I think pretty proud moment for him and for me, like we were very close. Um, yeah, that, that's probably my one hockey memorabilia. It kind of, it's not actually hockey, but it ties everything in and that's kind of where I came from. Oh, that's fantastic. That That's the best answer we've got in 53 episodes for Peace oh, and The best <laughs> yeah. answer we've got. Because, I mean, everything oh. else has been very genuine, not to take away from the answers, but it's been, you know, a P, like it's been a jersey or, you know, like yeah. a championship ring or something along those lines. Uh, that's just an incredible personal story. If you did have that yeah. on the wall there, that's that's just yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, that that reminds me of, and I don't know if you ever had something similar with other family members, but reminds me of a quick story of a member of uh, the old Grizzlies when I was working out there in the uh, AJ. Uh, one of the players growing up, his grandpa after the games, he would give him one dollar for every goal he scored, but two dollars for every assist because he was oh, always the close. best player on the team and he was always could score. And he's like, you got to learn how yeah. to pass. So going up through minor hockey, uh, and then they had a little thing with, so it was always about toonies and loonies. So in a yeah, roundabout cool. way, that kind of reminded me about that story. I wanted to get on here, but what was the other thing that, that you had on the wall that you took down there, Ryan? Oh, uh, it was just my first ever, uh, goal for the week Kings. Oh, look What's at that. that. Look at that puck. For the people <laughs> who are watching on the video, uh, portion on WCG TV or the YouTube account, that is a classic brand of weekend game puck. Who are you yeah. playing against? And a, and a, and a, and a ticket stub? Yeah, Calgary Hitman. Yeah. Playing against Paul the hometown team. Sure, and 2 2 Wade goal, and he also scored their first goals of the season. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Look at that. Was, was that game in, no, obviously it was in Brandon, so it was a Brandon puck. 
what was it uh what was it like when you got to go on the road uh, and, and get to play uh you know in some of the away barns but specifically getting to play at home in calgary was that kind of special playing against the hitman yeah of course i mean just with all, all the family members and friends that can come out and watch and people that have supported you and got you kind of there along the way it's always nice to give back a little bit and let them let them watch and come and kind of celebrate and get to see each other after the game and stuff like that. So that was always nice. There's usually more Wheat King fans than Hitman fans at Calgary games, at least the ones that I went to. I don't know when I, when I was living out there, all I got, it seems like all the Manitobans, like unless it's like a big one and you know, like Teddy Bear Doss yeah. or something, but uh, yeah, for yeah. the most time it's versus Brandon. There was always a pretty good collection of uh, Manitobans or like that. We always have Albertans from around the Calgary area that a lot of their family comes and becomes Wheat King fans. If only for maybe one game. Yeah. No, uh, I was, gotta, great. sorry. I, no, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I was going to say, I, I got to ask about, uh, you know, your relationship with Eric Fair, because earlier in this season, I don't know if you saw this, you might have, I'm not sure if you're on social media or not, but there was a goal scored between Jake Chason and Nate Danielson that looked identical to goals that you and Eric Fair <laughs> used to score back in the day. And I tweeted it out with the highlight and I tweeted it at Eric and he said, that is an identical goal, but Ryan and I did it on the other side of the net. <laughs> and so it right. was just hang on. So it's funny to, to read back and read some of the old articles in the Brandon Sun. You guys didn't actually play together as much as people seem to think now that the folklore is out there, right? Yeah, no. I think, like, power play all the time, like we were together. But um, I think our, our 16-year-old year we were together, we played on that fourth line and played most of the year. But then after that, we were kind of split up. For the most part, um, of course, we get a few shifts in every game together, but <laughs> we, we always had our other line mates and it worked out because we were kind of like a one, two kind of punch. And I think teams struggled to, to defend us with us on each line. Every year they talk at the World Junior time and you know where I'm going with this. Uh, every oh, year they talk about the biggest <laughs> mistakes that Hockey Canada has made by not taking this player, player A, player B. Talk us through that season and, and what Hockey Canada was talking to you about. Did you have any conversations with them, or what was their thought process for not taking a guy with as many points as you to at least their camp? Um, well, I always got invited to their camps. And right, sorry. I meant the final kind of... Yeah, yeah, they didn't make their team. Um, it, was, it was tough for sure. I mean, whoever they would have picked on that team, you're going to win gold, and they did, yeah. obviously. Um, me, me and Eric, I think we both feel kind of ripped off on it, but at the same time, they, they're picking a team to go and win a championship and, you know, they did that. So I can't be too hard on them, I guess, but I think for both of us, we were sitting one, two in WHL scoring at Christmas time and had good Christmas camp with the world juniors and still got sent home. So we did everything we could anyways, I guess. Did it light a fire for the rest of the season though? Cause I know some guys, you know, they take that personally. I think so. It still boils my blood a little bit and still going whenever I need a little, little, uh, motive, little added motivation. So you just have know. to unleash your, your inner Michael Jordan. I took that personally. <laughs> I took it personally. Right? Just like the last dance <laughs> yeah. style. Finally, after like a year, I finally watched that, by the way, like a few weeks ago. It took me forever. That's pretty, during during pretty this whole quarantine, did you go through any, uh, any binges there, Ryan? I think I've finished Netflix, so I've... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, The Last Dance for sure, that was great. Um, 
we got into Yellowstone, obviously, like everybody else. Um, big into the James Bond uh, movies on Crave right now. So kind of dabble into it all. So you're an oil field guy and you're a former hockey player and, you know, you've got all sorts of other life skills. But did you have to become a professor or an elementary school teacher at any point during this COVID thing? And did it work out or did it not? <laughs> um, to be honest, not really. My wife, uh, Jenna, she's kind of takes the reins on that side of things whenever someone gets stuck at home. I'll help out if need be, but my wife's way better at it than I am. So Perry Bergson of the Brandon Sun, he texted me when uh, when when I, we decided we were having you on and you you know were able to to jump on with us, and yeah. he said the neat stat about Ryan Stone has nothing to do with hockey. It's the fact that he met his future wife in grade seven, and you guys started <laughs> dating in grade nine. Now that is some investigative reporting of all oh, reporters. <laughs> He's got to know that. So. I mean, that is, that's just unheard of these days. Uh, I mean, your son's got to be getting close to that grade seven age. So does that make you kind of cringe a little bit now? Oh, it does a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's a great lady, and I locked her up early, I guess. So, <laughs> Did she travel around with you all? Like, when did you actually start dating? Because Perry said grade nine, but come on. Well, we, we started in grade nine and then obviously moved away to Brandon. We kind of broke up here and there, got back together, broke up, and then she finished school when she was 22 and moved down to uh, Wilkesbury with me. Oh, that's hilarious. What a stat. That's an investigative reporter of all. <laughs> that is pretty good on him. <laughs> so when you went uh, over to uh, over to Finland, when you were when you were done playing in North America, you played in Finland and then you played uh, for the Hamburg Freezers, which I love that name. Just just just, just that. Uh, but uh, did she go over there with you then as well for those uh, for those two seasons? Yeah, it was actually just one season. I started in Finland, and then oh, right. uh, okay. we went to Hamburg after that. But, yeah, she, she was there for sure. So uh, when you get to Europe, that's a whole different world. I know when you're playing pro and, and you're kind of around the American Hockey League, did you ever think you were going to go over to Europe, or was that kind of somewhere you wanted to finish? I mean, how did that all come about at the end of your career? Yeah, like I didn't really want to go over there, to be honest, but I got hurt when I was in Edmonton and was out for 13 months. And I had to, I was out for 13 months and then came back after Christmas the following year with the Flames and was sent down to Abbotsford and only played, I think it was two months. So I played two months of hockey in almost 20 months. So it was tough getting a contract here and I had to go overseas and try and find the love of hockey and get back into some hockey shape and get going again. And at the end of the year there, I blew my shoulder out my knees were still bugging me, so I just kind of decided that it was time to hang it up just because I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. It was too painful on my body. When you said it was time to quit, did you put the stuff away for a while? Or was it like, you know what, I still want to skate. I still want to, you know, I don't want to just give it up. Were you getting, getting back into senior men's hockey at all right away? Or did you just put it away for a while? No, I think I was probably off for six months. A lot of senior teams were bugging me to come play on their teams and stuff, but I just, I didn't, wasn't there. And then, yeah, six months kind of went by and a bunch of my, two of my brothers and a bunch of my cousins and buddies all played on a beer league team. So started going out with those guys and 
Blake and hockey again. <laughs> Probably the highest drafted beer leaguer in Alberta. <laughs> oh, I don't know. There's some pretty high, pretty good hockey players out here. You know, the, the best thing is uh, <laughs> Scooter, our equipment manager. You might have crossed paths with Scott and Lady at some point in your Wheat King career. <laughs> but uh, he had texted me one day and said, well, you missed out by coming to the morning skate. Because I, you know, was, I sometimes as a radio guy just don't go to the morning skate. Anyway, I guess yeah. the Flames alumni, they skate like every day at lunch. And yeah. there's a whole bunch of these guys. And Scooter, that day, there was, you know, Lanny McDonald was out there, Jim Paplinski. There was just a whole collection of Hall of Famers skating around on yeah. the ice, and Scooter was just shooting the breeze with them. So uh, when it comes to NHL alumni, do you stay in touch with any of the guys you played with or, or you know, especially the guys around Alberta? Do you play golf? Do you play yeah. rec hockey? Do you do anything with those guys? Yeah, so I'm part of the Flames alumni. I, I go to those noon hour skates once in a while. Um, I'm part of the Oilers alumni, which I'm not – quite as involved with just because they're three hours north but um the odd thing here and there uh, and that that for our alumni anyways that's that's where that's I'm in, what I'm involved in I still keep in touch with Ferzi quite often like we'll text right now just because he's overseas still but um a few other guys here and there so did you play <laughs> I gotta ask this then because we are on a podcast and now the biggest podcaster of all podcasters is Ryan Whitney. Was there any overlap there in your time in Pittsburgh, either in Wilkesbury or in the NHL? Yeah, so I played with both those guys. Uh oh Biz Whit- too, right? Yeah. What was that obviously all the pit camps that I went to? And then he was we played I think it was maybe 10, 10 games my first year. He was down in Wilkesbury. And then, yeah, he was traded to Edmonton when I when I was in Edmonton. And then, obviously, me and Biss, well, not obviously, but Biss and I, we played, what, shoot, three and a half years, four years together in Wilkesbury. So, so what was was he like, you know, his personality now, he's really carved out a niche. Was was he like what you hear on Spittin' Chicklets back then, or is this something he's created out of necessity, really? No, that's totally him. That's <laughs> Biss. <laughs> he's... It's so awesome. I love, especially when guys go on that I played with or that I know that are getting interviewed by them. Like I'll listen to every single one of those. They're, they're hilarious. It makes me cringe though, because my wife played at Robert Morris university in Pittsburgh. And she used to talk all the time about how the women's hockey team, they'd go to this club called diesel, which I'm sure you might have heard of or been to in Pittsburgh. Anyway, there was an episode a while back. She said, you know, well, the women's hockey team, we'd always go to diesel well, it was like episode 202 or something of Spittin' Chicklets, and Biz and Witt are talking about going to Diesel and partying with all these college women's <laughs> hockey players. And I'm, like, looking at both my wife's elite prospect and theirs, and I'm just like, nope, I don't even want to ask any questions at this point. <laughs> yeah. Right on. When uh, – <laughs> now that story, Crow, you got me totally off track here. Uh, Ryan, before we go, we like to do a little thing called rapid fire where we just fire off some 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 random questions for you that maybe the fans would want to know. Uh, one I want to start off is just uh, what's your – what was your favorite arena to play in? Any league. Um, just what was the one arena that you're like, I just – I want to play there. You play better there. Uh, set, great memories. Well, set, I played in San Jose a few times. It was – probably the best i don't know the atmosphere in there for being down south in california is it was wicked what was your least favorite rink to play in don't say prince albert <laughs> no uh the crush can oh yeah I rink though but the crush can was no good 
There was a lot of uh, scrappiness back in the day, in those early 2000s. That was kind of the end of an era. So who was the toughest guy you ever played with in Brandon? Uh, Ponce, for sure. He was 20, I was 16, maybe. Maybe he wasn't as tough as I thought he was, but he was a pretty scary dude when I was 16 years old looking at him. <laughs> Look at the record books. He was a very scary man. You were correct by saying <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, yeah. What was the, your, your favorite number that you wore throughout your career? Um, probably 17. Yeah. Any special yeah. significance as to why? Not really. I just, I think in Pittsburgh, yeah, Pittsburgh, I was number 33 and that's a goalie number. So that, that number sucked. <laughs> <laughs> How did you end up with a goalie number? Oh, because I wasn't supposed to ever make the team. And then when I did, they just, that was my like tryout jersey number. And they just stuck it on the jersey. <laughs> it's like a 59 double XL too. Yes. Just hanging up, yeah. Big yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think after like the second count, they kind of wrote me off and didn't think I'd ever get there. And then 33 was my number when I played. So. <laughs> Equipment manager Dana Heinz is like, <laughs> stone, stone. Uh, uh, yeah, well, we got one here for him. <laughs> Dana is He's pulling Flurry's well. name off the back. <laughs> yeah, Dana is a special man too. He actually gave me my my game played jersey, so I played and then traded. He kept my first ever ever jersey and gave it to me. It's one of my favorite Twitter accounts that's hockey related, but not media related. Uh, Dana, is it is it Heinze or Heinz? I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Yeah, Heinz, I think. And yeah. and he uh, for the longest time posted the the coolest behind the scenes Pittsburgh Penguins pictures of the equipment room. And uh, what, I mean, obviously you saw that play the other night where Sidney Crosby scores. It wasn't Dana, but it was one of the other uh, equipment managers handing the stick over, but uh, okay. Back to the rapid fire. Sorry. Yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> you're, you're in Brandon and uh, obviously uh, you have that great playoff run. Uh, was there a, a moment in that playoff run that, you know, when you close your eyes and think of the Brandon Wheat Kings that really sticks out, you know, whether it be the crowd or, you know, a certain game of, of that playoffs or anything that really stands out? Yeah, I don't know, like, hockey-related why. Like, I don't really remember too much of it. I do remember the city and how engaged and, and how um, excited they were. It was, I mean, it made it so much fun to go to the rink and, and try and win that, that cup for not only yourself and the team and the organization, but for everyone in, in Brandon. If you could pick uh, any two guys to play in a line with you, looking back at your weekend career, who are the two guys that you're going to be picking? Um, Fairzy for sure. Um, I would have to say Monich, Lance Monich. Oh, Craig, maybe throw him in there. Who is that? <laughs> Ryan Craig. Ryan Craig. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So if, we, if I could bump up my age and lower his age, I don't want to play with him as a 16 year old. I want to play it. 18 and him, you know, <laughs> I, this one gets me because I know now as the radio guy, because I'm, you know, I've got my scorebook and I'm paying attention. And when the players, you know, feel like they were gypped out of an assist, a secondary assist, I'm usually the first guy they text on the bus. Hey, Crozy, can you send a request to the league and get me that extra assist? Then I got to go back and watch the friggin' tape back in the early two thousands. There probably wasn't a lot of that going on, but it was, do you feel like you could have been, a hundred point guy. Do you think there had to have been a second assist somewhere along the line that you got gypped out of? I, I know for sure there was. I went to, uh, I think there was four games left. We were in Moose Jaw. I won the drawback at center. We went D to winger. Winger goes in and scored. I didn't get the assist for it. I told Chewy too. I told Dwayne Gilolaychuk, hey, Chewy, I should have gotten an assist there. 
didn't get it changed, end up with 99 points. <laughs> you still hold a grudge against Chewy for that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Rightfully so. That one hurts. Uh, Maybe we can get that retroactively done if we have the yeah, footage. Yeah, how does that work? I'll put in a request for the, the league guys. The same form that I fill out for our guys like from two nights oh. ago, I'll just put Ryan Please. Craig and put the date on it. Please do. <laughs> or, sorry, Ryan Stone, sorry. Please do. That would, uh, that would make for a great tweet regardless. Trying to get something yeah. changed, what, like 18 <laughs> years later? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Ryan, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time and for making this work here today. For those that we don't really talk about it, but this is like our third schedule time. We've had multiple uh, things uh, pushing us back today, but uh, really appreciate it, uh, you, you know, making it work and that we got a chance to sit down and catch up with you. Yeah, no problem. Thank you guys for the time. <clears throat> and hopefully we can get some weaking alumni and, uh, and, and get some stuff once the world opens back up again and, uh, and get back out here. Have you been out to Manitoba in the last few years for any reason? No, I haven't been. It's been probably five, five or six years now. And yeah, like every summer I tell the wife and we could take the kids out there and go visit Christendale and Ty and, but it just hasn't happened. All right. Well, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Awesome. No problem. Thank you guys. Have a good night. You too, man. Thanks a lot. Our thanks again to Ryan Stone, episode 52 of the Weekly Harvest, presented by Coors Light, the official beer of the Brandon Wee Kings. Please drink responsibly. Again, for all the previous episodes, you can get them online at qcountryfm.ca or uh, however you listen to your podcast. If it's uh, Spotify, Apple, Podbean, Google, just appreciate you listening, subscribing, and downloading. Um, Crow, before we uh, go any further, in the email inbox this week, this is going to be short and sweet, after a record-setting week of getting emails last week because we were offering all sorts of prizes, we don't have any emails here this week. So, I see how so <laughs> we see how this goes. If we're Only not going to bribe people to, to, to correspond. Um, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, the qweeklyharvest at gmail.com. Q Weekly Harvest at gmail.com. I've been here since March 3rd. Please give me some interaction. <laughs> uh, any questions, anything else uh, you want us to cover, by all means, uh, drop us a line there. Uh, the 50-50 jackpot, it is in the final two-week span here of the season, and then uh, more plans to be announced, so uh, stay tuned for that. As a matter of fact, in by the time this gets released, there might be uh, some, some some more news ready to be dropped, so stay tuned on the Weekings social media for that, but uh, for all that, it's weekings.com slash 50 dash 50 and all the money for that it goes to help out the player education fund which just during uh, the the last weeking home uh, broadcast and uh, on social media as well uh, shared a video that we produced that had dr jeff mcintosh uh, who is a dentist here in the city of Brandon, uh, a precision dental, uh, a princess dental, princess rather, dental. princess precision. I think of Toyota because they're doing everything with us <laughs> for the videos. Uh, princess dental. He's also our uh, team dentist. Well, of course, Jeff was, was a goalie here back in the day and he used the scholarship foundation, uh, to his advantage to, to be, to become a dentist. We also talked to uh, Duncan Campbell, who's off at Queens University in Kingston, one of the best universities in Canada getting uh, his education and Lyndon McCallum, who's on the team right now. He took three university courses in the first semester while the team was still not playing and is still taking one linear algebra two point. Can you imagine that crow you're playing in the hub right now in this schedule and he's doing homework on linear algebra two. It's just incredible. Anyway, we did, we showed that video of just where this uh, money goes. So when you buy a 50, 50, not only are you buying your chance to, you know, hopefully win some money, but you're also supporting a great cause and uh, making sure that these guys have everything that they need paid for once their hockey career is done. Um, Cause like they talk about, you know, it could be an injury or 
could be a short pro career. You never, you never know what's going to happen. But to have that education as a backing is uh, one of the biggest benefits to playing in the WHL. And you only need one ticket to win. So, I mean, all you got to you got to have one number. That's it. So, I know gather your office together. I know CKLQ's got a group uh, we purchase every week. Uh, we have yet to win because I have an upside-down horseshoe buried somewhere deep inside this soft, doughy carcass, and I cannot win anything if my life depended on it. Uh, but uh, grab your office, get a group together, buy some tickets. It all goes to a good cause, and you got a chance to win a great prize. So um, that's all I got. Uh, we've got, uh, like you said, Chris, uh, two home games, two away games. Uh, the two Wednesdays will be the opposite broadcast, so you won't hear me Wednesday or Wednesday. But uh, on the weekend uh, between Prince Albert and Regina, You'll hear me both Saturday and Sunday on the broadcast. So uh, those will be the last two times uh, for the CHL streaming service to have my call on it. Otherwise, you'll have to listen to me on the radio for the finale on the 28th. So, and what's uh, what's uh, so awesome about this weekend as well as people know, they are the two quote-unquote late games, but uh, the Sunday is going to be the only 9 o'clock one. On Saturday, because it's the single game on the schedule that day, the league bumps it up to a 7 o'clock start. So realistically, Saturday night hockey, uh, that'd be awesome. 7 o'clock, you're running Wee Kings at Manitoba time, and the WHL uh, live streaming service, they've uh, recently updated it where now it works if you have a Roku TV stick. So if you have that Roku, that R-O-K-U, uh, it's just like that fire stick, basically. Oh, black thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, you just plug in your TV and you can get it up there. But of course, you, there's a hundred different ways to get the feed from your phone or your laptop onto your TV or your tablet, uh, however you're doing it. Um, hopefully by now they've got it figured out. But uh, a couple of big games here as we make that final push towards. We'll talk to you again uh, next week on episode 53. And Caleb Dahlgren, the survivor from the Humboldt Bronco bus crash, yes. newly uh, printed author of Crossroads, uh, a great book uh, that, uh, it, it's again, it's a little bit off the map. It's not wiki related, but it's a big hockey story. Caleb's a great speaker, a great young man with a great message, uh, and he will be our guest on episode 53. That'll be coming up next week. Until then, go Edies, go. Have a good week. Cheers. Be sure to follow Q Country and the Wee Kings on Twitter and Facebook for all your Brandon Wee Kings news. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Harvest. Oh, 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 oh,